taken me so long to um, get another blog put out. It's just, um, I don't know, I've been, I've been struggling um, trying to just, I don't know, get connected with the Holy Spirit and get connected with God. And um, I think it's uh, Satan just working overtime with me, you know, in during my struggles and struggling with health stuff. And so I thought, you know, what better way to do it and then to write about it. So I'm going to talk to you today about um, God's gifts that he gives during our times of struggle. Um, by researching this, it really helped me get out of my funk. It just, it gave me a perspective that I needed desperately. But I've always thought, I feel like any nowadays that, that struggle is my middle name, literally. Carrie's struggle pain. Um, because if I'm not dealing with health issues, I feel like I'm dealing with, I don't know, just feeling that joy of life. Um, not I, struggling with, you know, being connected and having things to write. I struggle with the multiple things I have to do every day. Um, I think a lot of times I just have so much going on that I have to compartmentalize is what I call it my mind and be like okay this hour I'm gonna feel joy this next hour I'm gonna do the laundry and this next hour I'm going to write a blog and when you when I try to do that just to try to get the noise to calm down in my head sometimes because I'm so overwhelmed it's I don't know I get I get lost I get I struggle I struggle to feel joy even during the times that I'm going through this. Um, so the one thing that I noticed in the midst of all this feeling overwhelmed and pressure and the need to perform at my best all the time. And the one thing that I was constantly trying to come back to was gratefulness, gratefulness and thankfulness. I am so blessed beyond what I, what I deserve completely. I don't deserve anything that I have. I don't deserve the people that I have in my life, the house that I live in, the loved ones I have around me. Like I, I don't deserve any of those things. And I'm so blessed and I constantly am trying to be grateful and think about those wonderful things God has done in order to help. Um, but even during that, I'm constantly getting overwhelmed and lost in my sickness and the pressures of my life. Every day I wake up, I never know what to expect. And honestly, this expectation, it scares me. I, my eyes open up and as soon as I, I thank God for the day, my next thing on my list is, okay, are you hurting? Are you sick to your stomach? Um, are you depressed? Are you motivated to get up? Are you anxious? Like, it's almost like I'm doing like a body self-check and just to see where I'm at because every day I never know. 
these are probably just a few of the questions I roll over in my head as I, you know, open my eyes to face the day. But I try to push through them. And I try to concentrate on my blessings and say a prayer and thank God for another day of life and and try to stir up some kind of emotion to get me to get me up and get me feeling, you know, this is this is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. But I'm still struggling. I can, I'm thankful for my day. I'm thankful for all the things that I have and I'm blessed with that I don't want to take any of them for granted. But I, I struggle to feel any emotion at all, like to feel anything other than the dread of what I'm going to face beyond my blessings. Like I'm blessed, but I'm still struggling. So as I do this every day and day after day, I realize that me counting my blessings isn't the problem. I know this is going to sound a little bit strange to people, but because everybody's like, well, if you're just thankful for everything you have, it'll take care of it. If you're just happy and blessed and thank God for everything that he's done for you and actually feel that gratefulness and concentrate on it, then it's going to take care of all your problems. But as I'm struggling day after day with the dread that's coming and the, and the problems that I'm going to have, being thankful is not the solution and it's not... Be, not being thankful isn't even the problem. And then I got thinking, what if my problem is more about understanding the goodness of God? In the midst of all my pain, my suffering and blessings, how can I grasp the concept that God is good all the time? How can I reach up and grasp, grasp the hope that everything's going to be okay without crashing when my hope doesn't come to fruitation. These are like the true questions that keep my focus in the midst of my struggle. Because the higher the high, the harder you fall. And the more times day after day, I get my hopes up in something and it doesn't happen the further and further I seem to crash. And in all of that, how can I concentrate on the good? I struggle with concentrating that God is good and that he is good and that his goodness is around me in those times. So as I searched for answers, I found that there are a couple of core beliefs that I probably have mixed up in my mind. Excuse me. I believe that these core beliefs are part of my problem. And this is me just being completely and truly honest with you. Is the first one is if God truly loved me, he would not be giving me this trial. And if he truly cared, he would deliver me from it. 
The second one is, if I don't control my sickness, I'm not going to live that long and it will be my fault. I mean, honestly, think about it. You know, when we don't feel good, when we're in the midst of sickness, it's scary. And we feel that if we don't have control over that sickness, then our life is going to be shortened. So with these beliefs, I dig into my Bible and I look for validation in it. Is the way of thinking that I'm thinking accurate to how God is? And so these are some verses that brought clarity to me. James 1, 13 through 14. Let no man say when he is tempted or facing a trial is what tempted means that I am tempted from God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, which is his desires, and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break this verse down. And I'm going to break it down with my personal scenario. It's kind of like the verse is a riddle. And, or my life is the riddle. And the verse is the guide. And so I'm going to take my riddle and stick it in God's guide. And I'm going to see how it turns out. So the first thing is, um, the first part of the verse is we are tempted, which is facing a trial. So my trial is my multiple sicknesses. Um, I don't like to really talk about my health issues. But I know there's a lot of people out there that are struggling with them. And so I think this is a perfect opportunity to let you know that first, you're not alone. But give you kind of a glimpse of what I've been going through so that you know where I'm coming from. I struggle with ulcerative colitis, interstitial cystitis, migraines, I have Sjogren's syndrome, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, chronic thrush and insomnia along with anxiety and the anxiety is kind of part of the the post-traumatic everything that i eat or take into my body can either make any of these illnesses worse or better yet each one of these illnesses has its own diet to follow to help keep it under control so by the time I get done crossing up all the list of things that I can't eat, I have very little that I'm left with and it won't sustain my body because trust me, I have tried. Not only am I struggling with pain and other annoying issues with each illness, but every time that I eat, 
I face the fear of a consequence it may have. The second part of that verse is drawn away of my own lust. So what is my lust when it comes to my trial and that I'm going through? Well, my lust and my desire is not to be sick, to not face the struggle that any illness can play in my life. I want to avoid pain. I want to avoid the fatigue, the starvation, the anxiety, the depression, the the headaches, the nausea, the, the vomiting. I want to avoid all of that stuff. And so in order to avoid it, to get the desires of what I want, I am constantly looking for a cure or looking for the right diet that will be healing um, and that will sustain me without any symptoms at all. Um, For me to just to take responsibility for my health and gain control, I need control with my desire. The next part of that verse is when your lust hath conceived. So what happens when I have a desire to get control of my sicknesses? Once I fall into the temptation of control, that's when my lust has conceived. So when I fall into that role of control, What happens is, all of a sudden, my focus is directly in the middle of the struggle. I'm neck deep in my desire to not be sick. And I get even deeper in a trap of what I call avoidance. I've got to get control so desperately that I avoid food that I need. I avoid situations. I avoid people. I avoid anything that will make my illness increase in intensity. Anything. Anything that causes me anxiety. Anything that causes me pain. Anything that that I may get my hopes up in. I tend to avoid it because I don't want to hurt. And I don't want to feel that pain. And what happens is when I conceive and I jump right into the middle of that trap of avoidance it becomes an all-consuming pit of despair technically it leaves me feeling more hopeless the more control I think that I have the more faith I put in myself the more faith I put in my next medicine or the next doctor visit all of this leaves me on a never-ending roller coaster of emotions So me trying to avoid my emotions only stirs them up in a whole different way. And I'm stuck on this roller coaster or train, as I've used before, and I just can't get off of it. It just goes around and around. Bringeth forth sin. So how does all this bring forth sin? And how is it sin? How is it sinful? Well, the sin, I believe, is dwelling on the problem and a solution. You see, when I'm dwelling on the avoidance and I'm dwelling on my diet, on my suffering, on my pain, the it, the funny thing is, is when I, I look for the definition of dwelling, this is what came up. 
when I'm dwelling in it, dwelling is a place where someone lives. It's a house or a structure in which someone lives. It's where your attention, your focus are directed. So not only am I constantly making my bed in the midst of my struggle, but I'm constantly focused and have my attention there. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. When you're in constant pain, when you are starving and just want to eat something, when you are nauseous and sick to your stomach and you've laid in your bed for hours, let me tell you, there's no way, sometimes there's no way out. There's no, doesn't feel like there's a way out of not being able to focus on it. It is an all-consuming nag, 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 nag on your body. Your nervous system is constantly being nagged with it, which causes post-traumatic stress disorders. And you are, your body is just constantly throwing alarms all the time. And it's hard. And it's hard not to be consumed with it. And it's hard not to dwell on it and be caught in the middle and try to avoid it and try to get control of it. So I just want to make that clear. That it's hard. And even the greatest of people will find themselves stuck in this. In this. No matter how hard they tried. Even the greatest of pastors I have seen get stuck in the struggle. So moving on, the Bible verse says, all right, you're in it. You're dwelling on it. And that sin that you're dwelling on is going to bring forth death. So I want to make this very clear. Dwelling on it is not going to kill you. That's not what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Sin without repentance is what brings death. Especially if you're a non-believer and you're reading this, then you dwelling in that sickness or dwelling and not asking for the forgiveness of God for your sins and acknowledging God as the giver of life and Jesus as the sacrifice for our sins, then Once you have done that, your soul is sealed and there is nothing can take you away from God and your place in heaven. So dwelling in the midst of the struggle and trial that you're going through is not going to bring sin and death. What brings sin and death is the failure of repentance and acknowledging that we are born as sinful people that do bad things. And that God sent his son Jesus to pay the price for those bad things that we've done. Once you've prayed that prayer, you're sealed and there is nothing. And I mean nothing that could take you away from God in your place in heaven. But what I also believe is that Satan's goal for all people is to pull their focus away from God. Away from him growing you away from you witnessing what God has done for you. Most importantly, he wants you to question God and doubt his ways, especially as a non-believer. He wants you to question. He wants you to look at God and say, if you are the God that you say you are, you would not let your people struggle if you love them like you say you do. 
So as I get stuck in my desire for control, and my entire focus is on my circumstance, and my focus is not on God or our relationship, my focus is completely on me and only me. My desire for relief, it becomes so strong and so consuming, it takes up every moment that I have. Can any of you guys relate to that? I struggle to get past all that noise in my head and truly focus on my relationship with God. And when he, and what God can do for me, instead of the, the pain that I'm in, I especially get lost in it when I continue to struggle day after day and it does not seem like God is answering my prayers. Because I'll be honest, I have struggled for 24 years with these illnesses and God has yet to take them away and as a matter of fact every couple of years I just get one more what I think is important for you to understand is illness does not come from God illness and struggle come from just living in this world it's part of being in this world everybody's gonna have it Everybody is going to face it one time or another. Some people have it more than others. And Satan is going to do everything he can to use that because he's the ruler of this world. Remember that. And he's going to do everything he can to throw you off and keep you distracted and keep you consumed in the struggles of this world. But let's move on because every good and perfect gift comes from above. That's the last of these verses. God's good and perfect gift from above are not the same good and perfect gifts that you think they are. We think that God's good and perfect gifts are answer prayers, health, financial stability, maybe spiritual a spiritual feeling of constant wholeness, consistent joy and happiness all the days of our life. These are kind of things that I, I guess I always thought were true, that these were God's gifts to us. And if I wasn't receiving them, then I was doing something wrong. And I think it brings me back to those core beliefs that I have. If God loves me, if he would not give me this trial, and if he cared, he would deliver me from it. But if you skip ahead to verse 14, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, facing a trial, that I am tempted from God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and neither tempted he any man. Trials do not come from God. Right here, trials come from this living in this world and dealing with our own personal desires. Our personal desires are linked to our freedom, our choice to do as we want, to choose who we want, to accept God when we want to accept Him, to make the choices we want to make. It's kind of a package deal. Because our personal desires are usually caught up in our choices. 
If you take away our personal desires, then you take away our choices. And part of God's gift to us is to let us choose, to let us make our own choice. The trials that we face come from this world. Satan knows our desires and he has power to place obstacles, thoughts, and people in our path to deter us and lead us astray. Yet inside the trial and circumstances, God has gifts. And I want to share a few of these gifts with you. The first gift that he gives us is the sacrifice of his son. God says, you know what? You're in this world. You're struggling, but I'm going to help you have a way out. If you accept my son as your sacrifice for your sins, then I'll make sure that when you die, when you leave this world, you'll have a place to go to. That is a gift. I may not find relief in this world, but guys, I guaranteed relief when I leave this world. The next is his word, the Bible. Did you know that the Bible has 8,810 promises and 7,000 of them are directed to man and speak directly to men? God gives promises. Those are the gifts to us. Those are things we can hold on to. Those are things that we can take to the bank and cash them out. And you find that in Psalms 119.105. The next thing is a church family. We have others to pray for us. We have people to go to that, that believe the same as we do, that help, can get, help us gain perspective when we get lost in all the noise. They're there for that. Satan wants us lost in the noise. Our bodies will get lost in the noise. We need people to help gain perspective to get us out. John 4.12 is where you find that. God also gives us abundance of mercy. And that mercy is new every single morning. We don't have just a cup of it and it runs out. We get it new every single morning. A full cup. In Lamentations 3.22 and 23 it tells us that. The next thing God gives us is the Holy Spirit as a comforter. So we are never alone. That's found in John 14, 26. Again, a heavenly home to look forward to. Found in John 14, 1 through 6. One of the biggest things is this right here. Through our trials comes hope of deliverance. And not just deliverance, people. Growth. Spiritual growth. Fruit growth character growth. God says during your trials that you face on this earth, when Satan attacks you from every angle, and I'm not able, I can't deliver everybody because if I constantly deliver everybody, then you'll never learn anything. You'll never grow. But if I can see that you're going to grow in the circumstances, I'm going to let you go through it. Growth 
is important because when you're growing, you're growing in me, you're growing in character, you're growing in fruits, you're growing things that are going to sustain you through your life. It's going to help you sustain others. And when we get to heaven and have a job, it's going to help prepare us for those jobs. James 1, 2, 3, 4 is just a glimpse, a glimpse of that promise. The next thing gift that we have is endless forgiveness. No matter how many times we get lost in the noise, God is there to forgive us every single time. Every time. That's a gift, people. Psalms 103, 10-14 tells us that. The next is an abundance of God's grace and strength in the midst of our weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says that His strength is made perfect in our weakness. That right there is a whole lesson in itself, so I'm not going to go much deeper because I'm running out of time, but study that. Go find it. The list goes on and on. This is just a few. Just a few. He wants you to feel his gifts, but not just feel them. He wants them to have an everlasting effect on you. God's gifts are everlasting and they will sustain us day after day. His gifts are everything that we need to make it through this world. And the only thing that we lack, the only thing we need to do is to trust and believe in them. I hope this has helped you today. I hope this gives you peace in this time.